0: Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Oh, Hannah. Good morning, Vine Church. How are we this morning? We're we good. Do you know, I wasn't going to say this, but when I see that, um, when I see the reflection, we were looking for an image during the week. I bought fake tan this week and um, forgetting that I'd already had fake tan on. And I put makeup on yesterday and this morning and burst out laughing when I looked at myself in the reflection because my chin, I've got a big tide mark and look like an Oompa Loompa. So it's totally, uh, there's a big tide mark. Anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but my my chin is reflecting my face. And you know, speaking at church is is like being hired at a company that makes bicycle wheels. I'm the spokesperson today. Okay, I want to speak this morning on reflections. And start by saying that you are important and you are important to God. Your heart is precious and important to him. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything that you do. And um, God is passionate about our hearts. He's passionate about the condition of our hearts. He's passionate about protecting our hearts. And he wants us to be proactive in protecting our hearts as well. Excuse me. He knows it's the key to everything we do and respond to in life. And as we protect it according to his word, that's what's going to allow him to transform us, making us more like him and able to reflect him properly. Because the more we know Jesus, the more we spend time in his word, the more we renew our minds and change our minds according, not to how we feel each day, but according to the word of God, which is alive and it's active and it produces fruit in our lives and it challenges us and changes us. That is how God is going to change us. That is how we're going to be transformed and make us more like Jesus. And also make us clearer reflections to reflect him properly. And to reflect reflect him purely. In John 4, Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman. And he told her, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because I've got quite a lot of scripture. But in John 4, if you're taking notes, verses 23 and 24... He told her, but the time is coming and is already here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Do you know, I think the, the, I don't know if it's, sometimes when we become Christians we're really passionate, you know, and we get really excited and then maybe it can wane off and we can become lukewarm or life throws trials at us and challenges at us and we... We need to dig deep um, to have, you know, for our own faith. But worship is a full life response to the object of our worship, and the object of our worship is God. When we truly worship something, it affects the way we live. We're, we're acknowledging God's worship. We're given in worship, and it does affect the way we live. Our in time, our behaviour changes, our desires change, our speech changes, and we change. Um, When we worship God, we're doing it in response to who God is. Um, um, There are different types of worship. We've got the activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and hearts, like we did this morning. The direct expression of our ultimate purpose for living is to fully glorify God and enjoy God forever. To pay homage or show reverence, to kneel down um, or bow or fall down. But the one we're going to look at is the outward um, display of our inward really, uh, belief, life which reflect and radiate Jesus. In John 4, um, verse 34 to 38, Jesus is talking, um, and he's saying that, um, sorry, the fields, and how, he's talking about the fields and how they're ripe now for harvest. He says people are ripe and ready now. And so often I think sometimes we're looking for opportunity and looking to witness and looking for, you know, we want to, almost sow fruit and see an end result, but it's not always the sower who who harvests. But it says in verse 35 of John 4, look around you, vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. And I think if we're living lives which are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we're aware of not just our immediate family's needs, friends' needs, but we're aware of the people out there, the people, our colleagues, the people that we don't know so well, People are ripe, people are, are. People need Jesus. We're living in a broken world and people don't even know that they're broken. And I have the privilege of working in five schools as a pupil support assistant on supply, which means I can go to any school to cover staff absence. And for a while I was here um, working with, with children who unfortunately... Whose school went on fire from Woodmill at Woodmill. And there were certain members of staff who were just hungry. And they'd been impacted by the fact that we'd, we'd opened our doors. They'd been impacted by the fact that somebody had brought them donuts and chosen to just invest in their staff. It impacted by the fact that Zara had taken time just to. Just to and Zara and the team take up time to make little like good gift bags for the kids and these little things these things that they just make a difference and they just show people that that we're we're aware of what's you know that we're aware of them. So people all around us are ready now for the harvest. People were asking questions in the in the back car park out there. You know what is this place and and what do you do and who is this God and it was incredible and I'm not going to reap those seeds but some some other people are. Do you know? people are ready and it's too late to wait it's too late to decide if i'm in or out i think <clears throat> i think this morning I, I don't want you to get all i'm not this is the only um this is the only image I've got. I don't I can't work these things. So but what I want you to do is just let your heart be stirred. Let your heart, if if the Holy Spirit is doing that, let your heart be convicted. But please just take away that it's too late to wait, that there's a world out there who don't know Jesus, that a lot of Christians are broken, and God also wants to restore Christians to wholeness when they've guarded their heart and they're getting healed and we're rooted in His Word. But but Christians, can we please can we, can we not decide anymore if I'm in or out? Can we just be in? Can we just get on with it? Because we want to give God true worship. And I believe that true worship looks like Mark 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment is greater than these. So <clears throat> who's our neighbor? Our neighbor our neighbor is just not the person on my left or the person on my right or the person that looks attractive or my friend my best friend or my you know my neighbor is anyone and you know our neighbor it's not selective we can't be picky we can't be picky there's going to be difficult people they're still our neighbor Um, so I've been thinking a lot about what it means to represent and reflect Jesus and what an honor But also what a big responsibility it is to give a true representation and a pure reflection of what Jesus, of who Jesus is. And of course, I don't feel worthy. Of course, I don't feel worthy of it. But the truth is, he's called you and I to represent him here on earth, to be his ambassadors, to be his hands and feet. And the number one tactic of the enemy is discouragement. It's one of his number one tools to hit us with, to persuade us what a mess that we've made of, of life, to persuade us that we're not good enough, remind, of, have, remind us of how much I've blown it. I'm sure we all hear this voice, You, why would God use you? You're like Jesus, you're a total mess. But do you know Satan, he loves to take what's beautiful and ruin it? But God, and there's always a but God, because God always intervenes. And it's not, his intervention isn't always in our time. And his intervention is in his time. And, and sometimes, please don't rush the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't rush the freedom and the healing and the process. We want the progress, but we don't want the process. And the heart work is what is going, and the open heart and the gardener heart and desire and a pure heart is what is going to bring a pure reflection of Jesus. But God, and please, if, please remember, there's always a but God. He is always going to intervene. He loves to take what's ruined and make it beautiful. He loves to take what we think is ruined and make it beautiful. But, you know, we can't take credit for this because our beauty has nothing to do with us. And I'm so glad it's but God. Can we give everything to him? And the little that we hold in our hands, he will use. He just needs our willingness and our availability. And two weeks ago, Michael Strachan preached brilliantly. He said, align our plans and purposes with with God's calling on our life as he will use every single one of us. But only if we let him. And I want to be available. I don't want to be so preoccupied with, you know, our little thing going on around us. I want to see what God sees. I want to take the time to invest in the secret place, in the quiet place, so that we've got the strength, so we've got the roots, and our foundations are built on Jesus. Not on temporal things that are going on around us, but on Jesus. He needs our willingness and our availability. Our little, the little that we hold with Jesus can become somebody's answer. It can become somebody's bounty, for him, our little is more than enough. And don't ever think that you don't have enough, because we've all got something. And it, I'll never forget, I was at a ladies' conference at Cherish with Mel and some of the women about five, six years ago. And I don't know why, but I had to, you know, when you just have days where you just wake up and lack confidence and think, blah, it's just not one of these days today. But somebody smiled at me, and I thought, thank you, God. And it just changed, it just lightened the mood. And all it was was a smile, and it was enough. And um <clears throat> Do you know, it's never been about us, and it's always been about Jesus and his grace. God's grace both saves and transforms us. There's so many aspects of amazing grace. We're forgiven by grace. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It's a free gift from God. But we can't forget that the same grace that saves us also transforms us from the inside out. We can't forget forget that grace both saves us and it empowers us. Where we were previously powerless to walk in righteousness, grace enables us to walk like Jesus. And God's grace is for each of us. God's grace is for you, for you, and for you, and for me. Grace never condemns us. Grace protects us and draws us. And if we allow it to, it changes us. Grace heals us and draws us to the heart of the Father. But to receive grace and have clutter-free minds and hearts, we've got to identify what mindset am I holding on to? What am I holding on to that can't hold this new revelation that God wants to pour into us? Because God wants to He wants to pour new wine into us, but He can't do that if we're an old wineskin. He can't pour anything into us if we're holding on to what was or we're clinging on to a memory or we're clinging on to yesterday. Can we just come before God and remember that there's no condemnation in Jesus? That He's never going to point a finger at you and He will highlight things in our lives and He might do it through our spouses. He might actually do it through our children, which He regularly does to me. But and He might do it through our friends, but but when he wants to change us and he wants to make us more like Jesus, he wants us to be willing to realign, to be more like Jesus. And it's not a row, it's grace. Grace moves us on. So allow the Holy Spirit to, to show you what you're holding on to that can't hold that new revelation that God wants to pour in. Because do you know, we've been chosen to declare God's victory into other people's lives as well as our own. It's not about us. But when I realized that, it challenged me, and then I felt shame because I wasn't doing that. I felt really inferior because I was living for, I don't, I don't know if I was living for me, but I was living in circumstances. I was living in, you know, busyness in family life with four children, busyness and self-employment, busyness, just, just busy, but not always fruitful. So I felt inferior because I wasn't walking in victory personally. And I knew I was called to declare God's victory into other people's lives. But sometimes just like a day at work or a day at even coming here on a Sunday, you know, it was like, Oh, okay, I can do this, but but it's I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I, I don't feel victorious. How can I be victorious for somebody else? How can I but then I realized that I spent too long worrying and controlling things to secure a positive outcome. I'd focused on our lack or Stuart's got his own business and we'd put bills out and these bills, some of the, we needed these, this money and it's been quite a long six months and sometimes these bills weren't getting paid for six weeks and our kids have been ill, they've had sickness bug and chest infections and viruses. Like we've been off school, the schools have been back nine weeks and we've been off for six of them, on and off, and it's been challenging. It's been really difficult. But I felt that like God said, Jill, that's not an excuse, you can't, I've made you victorious. It's not dependent on your circumstances, it's dependent on the condition of your heart. I felt drained in anything but victorious though. So then I thought, well, if I'm not doing it or living it personally, I'm a hypocrite and a failure. But actually, I felt a strong correction and a boot up my backside telling me when I, like, when I felt that. Because self-pity, doesn't get us anywhere. And just like the rest of us, I believe that my intentions are good and I live from good motives and try my best. But it's to try in, in your strength and our strength. It doesn't get us anywhere, bless you. And it doesn't achieve anything. Um, but I hadn't been free. And Jesus died to give us freedom. He died so that, you know, when, when where the, where the sun sets free, is free indeed. And I don't want to take back. I don't want to become independent. So I wasn't living in the fullness of life that Jesus died for. But, you know, the Holy Spirit, and this is what I mean by his grace and his kindness and his goodness. He spoke four gentle and simple words to my heart. And it was at four o'clock one morning, about three weeks ago. And he said, Jill, control. You can't control everything. Contro-, he said, Jill, control isn't peace. I want to live in peace, as I'm sure you all do as well, peace and and, and contentment and fullness. So I decided to get up, wake up, wise up and start living to declare his victory into other people's lives as well as my own. Because do you know, friends, we have a defender who's completely able to defend us. But he shouldn't have to defend us from our own inner voice, which I bet can be so self-critical. Can we renew our minds and guard our hearts and stand in his word, which is full of life and gives us life, and his word has saved my life. So many times the Holy Spirit, through other people, and through just opening opening the Bible or doing a Bible study, has been Psalm 23. You know, and he pursues us with his love and he lets us rest in green, you know, in, in, in green meadows when we need it. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Root yourself in the word of God. And if you don't know, if, if you need help, speak to one of us. We're here to help. We want to encourage and, and take other people with us on this journey so that we are strong and in us being strong and in us being affirmed and in us being willing and we can take other people with us. We don't have to have all the answers, but if we're willing, we can say, come and know this God. I don't know it all, but I, I can find out. So today, I'm coming with a song in my heart, a conviction in my bones, and a freedom, which I'm not completely free, but we're working on one day at a time. And you know, every day I have to get up now and decide, well, I'm not going to believe this lie and try and feed this into my kids. I'm not going to believe this lie that says I'm not enough. Because despite all our self-doubt, do you know the harvest fields are? They're ready now. Over 125,000 people are dying daily without knowing Jesus. That shocked me. It's 125,000, way too many. And I feel this morning to encourage us all that, there, as I've said, there is no condemnation and that we're already a beautiful reflection, but it's time to shine consistently. And before you get out of bed in the morning, so you've got what you need for the day, ask the Holy Spirit for his heart for you and for other people and deal quickly with negative feelings about yourself. Do quickly with lies. Bring it to the cross and nail it to the cross. And don't pick it up again and align yourselves with what Jesus says about you. Don't compare yourself to other people because do you know what? The world needs you and you're already a beautiful you. Our identity has to be found in Jesus. So Ephesians 5, 14 (coughs) encourages us. Wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Can we live an awake and abundant life right now? Abundant life isn't something we're supposed to be living for, but a position we're meant to be living from, from that fullness in our heart with Jesus, that relationship, that daily encouragement, that time we've taken and the worship songs that we've sung. Um, also, it's good for us to talk to people about Jesus, but I think being a reflection of him is what it's all about. And I don't just want you to hear him, I want you to see him in me. And I think the more time we take, the, and the less of us there is, And the more we crucify the flesh, the more the the Holy Spirit is able to shine through us. And as Christians, we're created for heaven, not to be separated from God, but for intimacy with him. Those who are Christians have been stamped with eternity. Jonathan Edwards desperately desperately prayed, Oh God, stamp eternity upon my eyes. We need eternity, guys, to profoundly affect us. Because it waits for nobody. And those 125,000 people, I, I can't shake that. It waits for no one. We can't waste time. Can we please live daily with eternity in mind? And I believe an awakening is going to come if we have eternity in view and we embody the message of the gospel, that we live what we speak, that we're consistent, and that if we can be awakened and say, Oh God, stamp eternity upon my eyes. From the beginning of the Bible, God has set apart a people for himself. He said to Abraham in Genesis 12, I will make you the father of a great nation. This great nation will be a people of faith. I will set them apart. And the purpose of this people is that, it will, they, is that they will reflect who I am to the nations and people around them. And that they would invite the nations to know me as well. Do you know, that's all God wants. Um, about 24 or five years ago, I was in a, an organization called YWAM, which stands for Youth with a Mission. And um, it was three months of classroom learning and two and a half months of fieldwork. And um, their motto is to know God and make him known. And I think it's always stayed with me, but it's, it's to know God, to know God ourselves and to make him known. And we don't have to go to the ends of the earth. We can do it here. Make him known. What God is looking for is that we would reflect who he is to people around us, to the people we encounter every day, the people in the shop, to the tired mums ill children do you know I just touched to reflect them and I just yeah I believe God wants us to portray a new normal to the world and people around us he wants us to show them his normal because the world around us is so broken but they see it as normal please can we paint a picture of a heavenly normal and show people God's character and say to them come and know this God because people know when you care about them. People know when. I don't want people to be a project, but I want people to be a, a heart's desire. You know, just a genuine friendship, a transparency that we care, that this person really cares about me, and they care too much to leave me to leave me the way I am. Can we just intervene in people's lives when we see chaos? So come and know this God. Can we please display and live a new normal? And can we live out the fullness of our love for and from God? Can we live on earth with our heavenly identity? We can be the voice of clarity in the midst of chaos. And I mean, that's a privilege. If you're um, a teacher in a school or you're in a school or you're in a position where you can speak words to children, that they'll remember, you know, that we can be clarity in chaos, that we can be clarity. <coughs> so many kids are living in absolute chaos. They're not just at home, but internally. What are they hearing? Can we um, be, be, Can we just, thank you, Andrew. Can we just bring clearness and love from Jesus. Because identity is something that God has already given us as believers. Love children of a perfect king. And our life should be free to act from who we are today. Our life shouldn't be striving for who we are, but free for, you know, in that relationship with Jesus. In John 14, Philip asks Jesus to show him the father with his own eyes, just as he saw Jesus with his own eyes. He wanted to see the father in physical form. Jesus tells him, anyone who's seen me has seen the father. His whole purpose was to come and reveal the Father. He didn't just come and preach about us becoming a better person or applying principles to our lives. No, he preached about a different kingdom and a restored world to come. He preached about heaven and he invited people to participate in that world now. He painted a great, a great vision of a different world. He challenged people's mindsets and spoken parables, trying to, help, trying to help to open their eyes and understanding. And can we take people on that journey with us? Let's not leave people the way they are and let's not leave ourselves the way we are right now but commit to our relationship with Jesus and commit to fellowship and commit to to being accountable. Commit to open friendships where we where we give Jesus room to move and where barriers come down. So easy to be isolated and it's so easy to live your life on social media and think that that's community and it's, it's not. What we need is friendships and Healthy family friendships, relationships where we can just be and we're just with a select few. Take people on this journey with you. So often though we try to suck God into our little lives. and the questions we need to add, the question we need to ask is God, what's your plan, What's your story, and how does my little life fit in and find purpose and place in your story? I believe that God's plan is Romans 8 verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That means us. That means that we in that lineage. It means you and me and your kids and mine. And God knew you in advance, and he knew his people in advance and chose them to become like his son. He chose us to become like Jesus. We are image bearers of Christ Church. We're image bearers of Jesus. We share DNA with Jesus. And Romans 8:30 says, "God has called us to come to Him. He gave us right standing with Himself, and promised us and the people who have gone before us His glory." Do you know I wasn't going to do this bit, but I am, and Stuart's going to cringe right now. He, <laughs> I was tr- making the noises at home, and Reuben was like, "Mum, do not do that." But I'm going to. Sorry, Reuben. He tore the veil between earth and ho- He tore the veil between earth and heaven open from top to bottom. <laughs> The veil is torn. He tore the separation of sin and decay from this broken earth. He tore open the veil so that heaven would start to infiltrate. So a glimpse of heaven would start to infiltrate. So that heaven would come to earth. And you know it's not just for a select few. Our God, our King, he invites us all in. He invites every single one of us in. All Jesus did was demonstrate heaven. When he healed, he demonstrated heaven. And this is what the common world is going to be like. All he did was portray what heaven will be like. But God wants us all to reflect his character and nature to the world and say to them, as I've said, and I'm going to keep repeating it, come and know this God. And then I started thinking about what is a reflection and what reflection is the Holy Spirit looking for? He's not looking for an opaque or murky reflection. He's looking for transparency. An opaque um, means prevents light from traveling through. And I really believe that he doesn't want us to be impervious to light. He were called to reflect the character and nature of Jesus as image bearers of Christ. Reflecting our best friend, reflecting our lover, reflecting our healer, reflecting our saviour. Reflecting the one who whispers to you, control isn't peace. And he'll whisper into your situation as well. And it wasn't a shout, it was just a, and because there's no row, I feel free to be the best, well hopefully be the best reflection that I can be because there was no condemnation and even when I thought there has been and even when I felt condemned, it's coming from the enemy, it's coming from me, it's coming from, it's not coming from Jesus, it's coming from not having my identity in him fully. So become more like Jesus by spending time with him in his word, in worship and give him everything Emma always says, you know, let him be Lord. Don't just let him be Savior, but let him be Lord. Give him everything, 100% of your life, Lordship of your life. We can't hold on to anything, guys. It's not worth it. Give him, give him, or just, just, just radiate him and reflect him and be hungry for him and give him your heart because he is, it's the safest place for your heart to be. Don't hold on to bits of your heart. And don't hold on to unforgiveness. Let go and let God, let Jesus in. His purpose for your life is that we would be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. He wants to reveal his character and and nature to this world through your life and mine. That's his purpose. That means that sometimes things aren't going to be easy. Things won't be rosy. And we're going to have questions. But what God intends out of tough situations is that we would become more Christ-like. And can we not be independent and <clears throat> self-righteous? <coughs> the one sin that Jesus judged on this earth was self-righteousness. The only people Jesus took on for their self-righteousness was the Pharisees, was the religious people. Um, self-righteousness is those who think they're good enough by themselves, on their own terms and in their own power. Do you know, don't refuse to come to the cross. Don't be self-righteous. Hebrews ten fourteen says, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. God has made us perfect through Jesus. And the reality is, how holy do I feel today? I don't feel at all holy. But because of what Jesus has done, and this is the reality and his blood, I stand perfect before God. I feel anything but perfect. and know what I'm like. And this is when I'd written this, and um, it doesn't apply anymore, but again, I'm just going to say it. I was going to say, I, I don't. I know what I'm like. Just ask one of my boys, except Milo, because he'll tell the truth. The others are more diplomatic. But, you know, kids tell it as it is. And aren't Archie's sitting there grinning like, yeah, mum. But um, um, we we are made perfect in Jesus. Because of Jesus, our lives are hidden with Christ and God. The grace of God and the gospel don't end there. We're being made holy and being conformed to his likeness. He's making us holy because he wants his glory to be manifest in and through you and I. So others can see it. What a privilege. It's not about you and I. But he invites us into the privilege of experiencing his glory through our lives. And in all of this, God is is fighting to restore uh, creation. Colossians 1, 12 and 13 says, Thanking the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. We are rescued from darkness and the brokenness of sin. God's glory manifests in our lives so that others can see and love it too. Creation is waiting to have the creator revealed. Creation is broken and desperate to experience and see the wholeness of the creator through your life and through mine. Church, creation needs a glimpse of heaven. Creation needs hope and a foretaste of it through your life and mine. This world that we're in needs hope. All ages need hope. I work in a nursing home as well, um, just part-time, and you see brokenness in 95-year-olds who, somebody said to me last week, lass, don't ever have a life of regrets. Regrets. Stuart and I were talking about that during the week and saying, well, how do you make changes and how do you, I don't want to hit, I'm 44 nearly, I don't want to hit 44 and have regrets. I just want to live in, for Jesus now and bring be, be hope that people need. Imagine what our marriages would be like if we conveyed to our spouse what heaven is like. Or what if in, your parent, in my parenting I conveyed to my kids what heaven is like. It's important that we speak heaven's words over our children. because children and young people need the life and words of Jesus. They need his promises. Schools are often tough and confusing places, and now more than ever, please don't compromise on this. We cannot raise, there's so much confusion out there, and we cannot raise a confused generation. Receive from Jesus yourself, um, so we can speak truth, clarity, and the promises of God to our children. And please pray for your kids, and pray for your friends' children. Pray that they will stand strong, and that they'll have Christian friendships. Because what words are they hearing, and what's affecting them? I want to affirm them and build them up, and put on the armour of God. So, uh, and and just speak God's words and God's promises over them, so that they're full of life and they're not he- hearing condemnation or things that pull them down, or slander, or you know, the, the foul language. I want the voice that they hear to be the loud affirming voice of of the voice of God. And with your children, so there's no confusion. And I'm learning this. So, I'm sorry if I'm not living it, but I, I hope I am. With your children, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It avoids confusion and it sets healthy boundaries and also develops trust and predictability. So, if we, can say, if we say to our kids no, but then we say yes, or we say yes, but then we say no, and if we don't carry through what we say, it, it confuses them and it brings in doubt. Um, that's, yeah. So,. Um, And also, sorry, what if at work we spoke we conveyed to our boss and our colleagues what heaven is like? Let's be heavenly people. Let's be kingdom minded. Let's walk on this earth but just travelling through it because we know that our home is heaven. God the Father sent and we're not doing this in our own strength. God the Father sent God the Son to reveal heaven. And God the Father and God the Son sent sorry. God the Father and God the Son sent God the Holy Spirit to reveal heaven. And God the Father and Jesus and God the Holy Spirit sent the church to reveal heaven. So we have the backing of the Lord Almighty. We're not going out in our own strength in the morning like, hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off. You know, we're not doing that. We're going with Jesus. Touch the hem of his garment. Fight to get and touch that hem until until you've received his power. Because when that woman was bleeding, he said, who touched me? He knew. And she was healed. So imagine if we just take that time and we touch Jesus. The number will be changed. The people we encounter will be changed. And who, who, who knows? Can we just, we have the backing and empowering of the Holy Spirit to manifest his kingdom on earth and through our lives. We're not doing this in our own strength. And if we are, we need to stop. The gospel is not an ethereal thing that makes us come to church. The gospel defines us. We are new creations. We are not the old. We are new and we are alive in Christ. Acts 1, verses 6 to 8 says says, Jesus comes back from the dead sorry, Jesus comes back from the dead and reveals himself to his disciples as they ascended God. The disciples say, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? They thought the kingdom would come now and Jesus would click his fingers and transform the world. He told them it wasn't time. He also told them that they didn't need to know times and dates, but they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. And we also will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. We'll tell people about him in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Tell people about him here in your corner of the earth. <clears throat> and you know, it doesn't have to be a full gospel presentation. It can be, it can just be you being you, because you are the best you and you being you is enough. And some people really need to hear this, that you are enough and what you give is enough. Just spend time with them being filled and being willing to be, just being willing to be filled to overflow. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit and totally transformed transformed us and renewed us, making us new people that through us, the glory of God would be revealed and the transformation of this earth would be pulled towards a heaven reality. Do you know, it's called spiritual authority when we embody our message. Let's do it. Let's walk it. Let's live it. When Jesus came, the word was made flesh. What if this was made flesh? This really excites me. What if this was made flesh in our lives? What if this was made flesh in the church and the church walked with a spiritual authority? And what if people didn't read or have access to a Bible but could read our lives and see God? This is the privilege, guys, that we have as the church. It's about us joining in and establishing God's intent on this earth. Can we join in the narrative of God and reveal him? And if we live, surrender to the Holy Spirit. Be available um, to him and aware of his leading. A yielded and surrendered spirit to God's spirit. Holy Spirit knows there's sin and it knows there's decay, which is why it's so hungry for purity. Let's hunger for the fruits of the spirit. Hunger for love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. It's from Galatians 5.25. Live transformed and free to live inside of God's story. Sometimes, though, because we're human and we're fallible and we make mistakes and we do it in our own strength and we start the day off with God and we run ahead, we run full steam and we get way far ahead and we think, whoa, God, you're here. Do you know, we don't live full of love. We don't live full of joy. We don't live full of peace. And I'm talking to myself, don't live full of patience. Sure, I'll go, Jill. And I'll say, I know. but um, Or some other people say, Jill, mum," i say, I know. But please don't live with peace dependent on your bank balance because it goes up and down. And I know that. Or joy based in relationships because people change and so do we. We're inconsistent like seesaws. We go up and down and up and down. So, in closing, how do we access the fruit into our lives? We access it by faith and follow the person of the Holy Spirit. He's on the move and is in the business of renewal. He's working out the redemption of God in a broken world and he wants to work out the redemption of God in, in my brokenness. Listen to him, speak to him, bring your sin and weakness before him and submit to him. That's important submission. Be close to people who know Jesus and who are close to him. People who are just a little further on than you are and learn from other people. Also, <clears throat> understand that God created me to be more than I am today. I don't really like this, but I'm, I'm knowing it. Never say that's just the way I am. Don't defend who I am today, but pursue who God has called us to be tomorrow. Develop yourself. Pursuing personal growth is part of being faithful with what God has given us. How a we think. What is it that God has made you passionate about? And what is it that God reveals his glory through in your life the most? That thing. When you do that thing, there's something of God in it. You touch something and it turns to gold. It's the grace of God on it. Find out what that thing is, and then when you find out, invest in it. Find others who've got that same grace and ask questions. Questions are really good, except if you're with Milo and he's asked you 200 in one hour. But, you know, questions are good. It's good to always be a student, and it's good to always learn. Very last thing, you've been so patient. Thank you. You have more capacity than you think you do. I've got more capacity than I think I do. I've learned that although our capacity can be stretched and it can be painful, we have more capacity than we think. The Holy Spirit has given you gifts and depositing things inside of you and me so we can go and transform this world. We can go and transform the, 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 where God has put us. God has a purpose for you to be like his son and represent heaven and reflect Jesus here and now. Can we do it? Can we go? And let's keep going because the enemy can't take what you have or change who you are. You belong to Jesus. And although your giants might seem big, the name of Jesus is bigger. The name of Jesus is huge. Speak the name of Jesus over situations. Speak the name of Jesus over your family. Plead the blood of Jesus. And remember the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is living inside you. Okay, thank you so much, church. Thank you for listening to me.